Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Fumbled the bag, I still ain't got that disappointment to shake. So now I'm trying to double up on every dollar I make. Money don't buy you happiness, it sure don't take it away. I'm smiling hard as hell, every time I step in the bank. You can't be making reckless moves, cause there's so much at stake When you got some shit to lose, your decisions gon' change Cause every action got a consequence, consider your ways Hardest thing to do in life is elevate through your pain I can relate to feeling like your life is stuck in the face Give an effort, but results just keep remaining the same Have some patience with yourself, shit ain't as bad as you claim I seen the homeless nigga smile while he was standing in rain It's all about perspective Chillin', catching blessings, and cryptocurrency been busting, and I'm well invested. She know that if she rock with me, then she gon' stay protected. Cause even when this shit get hectic, I ain't never stressing. I'm legend. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste, I'm putting food on place. Mill. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellard, one-fourth of the Black Wolf Renaissance, checking out my co-hosts, my brothers, Jalen and Jared. How y'all feeling? What's good? What's good? What's good, y'all? It's your boy, Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Wolf Renaissance. I'm feeling great. I missed the last episode, you know, due to being at home, but I heard it was Got to amazing. See some family, man. Yeah, man, I did get to see some family. <laughs> Springtime now, weather's beautiful outside, so... Feeling, feeling great, man. How you doing over there, Jared? Man, I'm good, man. I've been kind of spotty the last couple of episodes, but shoot, I'm off this weekend. So I'm happy, you know what I'm saying? Back in here for another great episode. We got a pretty dope guest in the building. 
Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like we we, we got to get into this. Yeah, man. Yeah, bro. Because once again, man. I don't know what it is. It's something about season three, but like season, season three, three, we are loading the clip. And all like, of these women named Ashley, man. I don't know what the hell going on. I don't know on. what it is, man. <laughs> but these women, they Ashley been killing it. Y'all. Pressure. Look, y'all, we done got a preview of the name. But before we get into introducing our guests, I got to take the time to ask y'all, everybody, to go ahead, like, subscribe, rate, and comment on whatever platform that you're on. It really helps us grow the show. It helps the algorithms. And we just want to continue to spread this message. And before we get done with that, I do want to give a shout out to our last person to give us a review on the pod. So, headline said, life-changing. Hold on, I got to get in my DJ Khaled bag. Life-changing. Major keys. (laughs) I'm joking. But it says, I'm 23 years old. I've been listening to this podcast for a year now. I've learned so many different ways to create wealth for myself and my future family. I used to feel so unfulfilled, which is why I initially sought out Black Podcasts. Once I found the BWR podcast, my life changed. Hearing stories from successful Black entrepreneurs showed me that the narrative for Black families can be rewritten. We have to put in the work now to build the future for our families. I love tuning in each week and learning real money-making moves I can use to make money today to change my life forever. Mm. So shout out to you, Softball Girl. 23 years old. You got a bright future ahead of you if you're taking this information in at this age. Really just apply it. Don't just take it in. Apply it. Use it to your advantage. We're just trying to push the culture forward. So I'm glad that you're able to be receptive to this. And this is something that actually has been having a positive impact on your life. Yes. I love it. Shout out to Softball Girl once again. And now we back to do more of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to have another one of these great conversations with an amazing woman, (laughs) like we were saying. So our guest today is an amazing woman named Ashley Mm. Hamilton out of Detroit, known as Detroit Investor. Mm. So she is the embodiment of making no excuses. This woman started off her her real estate journey as a single mother of two on a salary of less than 20K and used a tax refund to buy properties in Detroit. And now she's scaled all the way up to what, 20 plus units? And she just killing the thing. She coaching people in real estate, helping people get their business credit together. Uh, changing lives. Changing like, lives. Real talk. Changing lives. So we have none other than Miss Ashley Hamilton, the Detroit investor. Ashley, how you living? Thank you. Thank you, man. What an honor to be here. I'm super excited. Doing well. So grateful, actually, to be here. But yeah, just really interested to tell my story, help as many people as possible. But I did want to piggyback when you guys said, what's going on with all these girls named Ashley, right? And I always tell my kids, like, I'm going crazy. You know that son, Thick, when they finally named Ashley. Like, this is the first time in my life that my name has been dropped in the song. So I'll be trying, every time that song, Thick, come on, like, Ashley, hey, I'll be so happy. I'm like, listen, these are all the songs that y'all going to play. Because I finally got a song. Other than that, you already know, it was Keisha, Kiki, all them names got a song. But I finally got my name in the song. So I'm super excited. And that's why all the Ashley's is taking over. Time for the Ashley. Turn up. 2021 is the year to Ashley. Yeah, the year to Ashley's. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But thank you all. Honestly, definitely just excited to be here and definitely ready to change lives just to help as many people as possible. Nah, thank you for taking yeah. some time out of your Saturday. We know you probably could have been doing something with your kids. So thank you for definitely taking mm-hmm. out this little bit of time so we can really just get into some, uh, some stuff. Like you said, your story and really just learn how you were able to do it and what did it actually take for you to get to that point? 
So with so that being just, said, yeah. I just want to kind of like get into it. We talked about, you know, the 20,000 a year, you being a single mom, but what did that actually look like? What brought you to that point? Absolutely. Well, thank you. So I'm just going to give you guys the rundown. So I was a single mother really early at 17. My daughter was born premature. So she had to stay in the hospital for like 30 days in the ICU. So during that time, it really took a lot out of me because every night I had to leave her in the hospital. You know, you just can't stay all the time. Uh, but I was there every day. So I knew like I never want to leave my child again, even when she's healthy out of the hospital. Like I don't want to go and say bye to her every day at a daycare. So I knew no matter what I was going to do, I had to have freedom to be involved with my kids because I didn't want to leave them. You know, it just really did something to me those days in the hospital seeing her hook up the tube. So that was embedded in me early on, well, at 17. But just to give a backdrop, um, unfortunately, I'm born into money. And it's not even having money. It's also about money management, financial literacy, and education. So unfortunately, my parents, they didn't come from money. My mother was a single mother on welfare. You know, we didn't have a generation of homeowners, business owners, or anybody that was preaching financial freedom. So that's just what I was brought up in. But at the same time, like I had an amazing childhood. I love and respect my mother even more now knowing how much she went through, because even though we were poor, and we didn't have anything. As you can tell, I never missed a meal. So my mother, she's one of my best friends and I love her to this day, but I don't blame her for putting us in a situation. It was the education. So that's what my purpose is now. Like if I can't do anything else, if you cannot afford my classes, I'm going to always get here and talk free about building a legacy for our, you know, generations behind us. And even if it's not something that you can take action on, maybe feel like, oh, it's too late. But just the fact that you talk, like, let us know what's possible, at least pique their interest. Because the things that I'm learning now, I didn't even know was possible. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into that in a second. So that's just how I grew up, just poor, no financial education from any of my family. So once I got to 23 years old, I was paying rent every month. I was like, something has to give. Again, never bought a house before, so I didn't even know how the process worked. I was just riding down the street and I saw a for sale sign. So I called it and it was like, oh, it's $6,300. And I'm like, I thought all houses was that price. I didn't know like that was really low. So I said, okay, well, I don't have it. Obviously now I'm only making less than $20,000 a year. I was a waitress at Red Lobster. So yeah, I didn't have it, but I knew I was going to get my tax return because everybody wait on their tax returns. They get new furniture, new cars, but new weave, like whatever, like everybody's waiting on their taxi. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. So I was already waiting on it. So I said, you know what? I can afford it at tax time. If it's still available, I'm going to get it. And that's exactly what happened. It was April 24th. I'll never forget. I got my tax return. I called the listing. It was still available. I got the house for $6,300, right? Mm -hmm. So I used all my tax return. Plus I had to save up. I had to extend the closing, right? So they want us to close in 30 days. I had to get an extra 45 days so I can pick up more shifts to bring the closing costs. Because I'm thinking 6,300, I'm about to go in there with a check. I was going to go in with cash, right? 6,300 in cash, but my mama said, no, get a check. So that was good. But you have closing costs, right? Mm -hmm. And it was only like 1,500, but I didn't have it. So when I saw the paperwork, I was like, oh my God, I didn't tell them. I just made an excuse. And I was like, I need to extend the closing. 
So we extended the closing about 15 days. I worked double shifts at the job to make that $1,500 that I needed for the closing cost. And I was able to get the property. So <laughs> that's yeah. how I got the first one. So with that being said, yes, I got a property and I was saving because I was normally paying $700 a month in rent. So I wouldn't have to pay that anymore because now I have the property. So my goal was to put the $700 a month that I was paying in rent back into the property to fix it up and then do the same thing the following year. So, <laughs> so that's so how it all started. That's my so first I, property. It just you brought that, the property <laughs> free and clear. Yeah, I had to ask. So you purchased the full property for $6,300 or plus $1,500. So, so right at right. Yeah, right. closing costs. $78? Yeah, right at right. $7,800. Free and clear. Like after that, it's just yours. Yeah, no mortgage, nothing. All you have to pay is the Ooh. property taxes and insurance every year. They still got some of every them year. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. So <laughs> it wasn't a down payment. <laughs> no, but they actually have some for like fifteen to 25000 The market has increased. But I do see properties for 10000 6300 but it needs more renovation mm -hmm. now. So you're going to spend more in the renovation. But they do still have low mm -hmm. properties here. So yeah, it wasn't a down payment. That was it. Like I didn't owe anybody. And this was, was, was post the economic thing. This was in the yeah, middle of it. So 2009, crime. 2009. Yep. Oh, mm -hmm. nine. And like so I said, like, we were the, yeah. That's right in the midst of it. Yeah. Everybody was leaving. Everybody was leaving. Mm -hmm. And to this day, like you remember, I paid 6,300 for the house. I rent that house out. I still own it for 775. I make over $9,000 a year on that house. So more than I make that in one year of rental income, more than I pay for the house. So imagine, and I've owned it all this time. Yeah. So I'm making more than I pay for the house in one year of income than I actually pay for it. So an amazing story. Wow. But, so, I got some more questions with the property. Like what size property was it? Like, was it how many bathrooms? I'm just trying to get like a full yeah, scope of this. Yeah. Like how much yeah. work did you have to put into it? Because I'm pretty sure people are going to hear this. They're going to be like 6,300 for a house. Like, no way. Like, I mean, the, yeah. taking into account the times, you can think about it a little bit more, but still owning it free and clear. Yeah. It's crazy. A whole yeah. house. And we do it now. Obviously, it's taking 30, 40,000, but you can still own a whole house for that amount and you're making $10,000 a year. Yeah. So it's still possible. But I'll just go back to answer the question. So, yeah. So the thing about Detroit. So, one thing that I learned early on, the first seminar I ever went to was be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. Mm. So what that means is everybody was running from Detroit. We were the laughing stock of podcasts. Even TMZ made a joke about you can buy a house in the gift shop in Detroit. That's how cheap mm. they were. So instead of people saying, wow, this is opportunity. Let me run to Detroit. They were just laughing with us. Like, ha ha, they're cheap. They're in bankruptcy. We were in bankruptcy. The city was. Mm. So again, people were being fearful. So people should have been greedy at that point. Now that Detroit has a popular name and we got DJ Envy, Angela Yee, famous people investing here, now people are running to Detroit and it's not being fearful, but now you're going to pay a premium, you know, but mm -hmm. when people were the laughing stock, that's when you need to be paying attention. So everybody, if you hear my words, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. You see everybody running to something, you need to sit back and double check first and make sure it's right. Don't just run and jump on a bandwagon. Always be willing to take that extra risk because as an investor, if it's no risk, it's no rewards. You can hear all this stuff about free, low money down. At the end of the day, you have to be willing to take risks, but it's so much better in the long run. But yeah, so to get to the point, people thought, <laughs> people assumed that because it was $6,300 that it was in the hood, in a war zone, the roof was going to be falling in the foundation. No, it was a homeowner who lost their uh, property to foreclosure in 08. 
and it was still good. It was a three bedroom ranch with a park on the street, right? Close to eight miles. So I don't know if you know about Detroit or if you know Eminem, he had the movie Eight Mile. Eight Mile is a street that goes all through our city and it separates Detroit from the suburbs. So the closer you live in Detroit, closer to Eight Mile, you can still go to school in the suburbs and get your kids a better education per se, you know, because even though you're still in Detroit, you're close enough to Eight Mile. So I was close to Eight Mile, three bedroom ranch, on the street with a park at no vacant properties. I had neighbors that had been there for years, a beautiful house. So it needed work. It didn't have a furnace or a hot water tank in there. It needed paint, obviously, and just updating. But I literally, so I moved in my house without a furnace in Detroit. That's how broke I was. Like, was this but during it was the August. winter time? No, it was August. So okay. that's Thank how God. broke I was. Yes. So people like, how did she get the money to fix it up? I did $700 a month that I was spending and I worked double shifts at my job. That's how I fixed it up. But what I need to tell people is when I say fix it up, so I didn't put granite countertops in my house. Like I didn't go blow out walls and do this HGTV stuff because I was living how most people want, you know, so I can live how most people don't in the end. So that's where a lot of people get misconstrued and get house poor. You want to get your first house and you want it to have granite countertops, marble floors and look like HGTV. And that's just going to put you more and more in debt, you know, so you have to make a sacrifice. So I figure, hey, let me get in this house. I'm going to do the bare minimum, paint a couple walls. I didn't even have light switches, covers on my light switches, literally. Nobody wanted to come to my house. I didn't have an open house because it wasn't like nothing spectacular. But what I was working on is instead of buying the granite countertops and sinking $20,000 in this property just so people can validate me, I was saving all that money because I wanted to do the same thing the very next year when I got my tax return. So just to break down the condition, like I said, it was livable. You could have literally run in there and cleaned up, had a paint party and moved in. The biggest expense was the furnace and the hot water tank. So I got the hot water tank. It was about $600, but I couldn't afford the furnace. So I literally moved in in August and I had all the way until like December to get the furnace until it got really cold. But we did for like a couple of weeks, we did have a couple of heaters while we were waiting for the furnace. So really it wasn't glorious, glamorous, how you see on Instagram with people getting their keys and all this beautiful house. It's amazing. Don't get me wrong, but that got to be your second or third house. I don't want to see new people buying these immaculate houses because once you get in there and start getting that mortgage payment and you realize how your job isn't secure, you know what I'm saying? You can lose it all. So that was something that I wanted to, I didn't want to lose it all. You know, I didn't care if I had to live low. I just didn't want to over improve it and then couldn't afford to keep up the maintenance on it. So that's what I did. So that's just a gem that I can tell you guys about. You know, I know you want to live nice, but ultimately, who is it for? Just for somebody else to validate it. So buckle down your first property, get a fixer-upper, you know, so that way you have more money to invest in your next property. So hopefully that makes sense. It's cool. Nah, yeah, like, that's, 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 yeah, that's some bars. Because like you said, whenever everybody talk about real estate, they do think the glamorous side of it. Like, they think, oh, if you're going to be buying a property, like a home or something. You might as well go all out. You got to go all out. You're going to be living there. You got to get your dream yeah. property, you know? But like you said, living like people won't. And so you can live like, like people don't. Yeah, I like don't. that. I yeah, spend that. the rest of your life living like most people don't. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you get this first property and you said you just rinse and repeat the process, right? So you do the same thing next year. You, you... Oh, hold, hold on. Before we even move to like <laughs> next year, I still want to talk about like, like the no excuses part. Like with you being down at $1,500, a lot of people would have took that, oh, this just I, mean that this is not for me. For this me, yeah. From the Lord saying, you know, I had the 63. I had to wait for this. I had to wait for my taxes and stuff. But she was like, nah, I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm about to go work these doubles. I'm going to see if they're going to work with me on this time. Like, prayer, man. can y'all work with me? Like, 
yo, this is what's going on. And like, I love the fact that you didn't make an excuse for it. Like a lot of people, they'll make an excuses and they'll say, okay, I guess I just got to wait till next year. I'm going to just have to pass up on this property. I'm going to have to, you know, go do whatever I got to do for this. But you said, no, this is mine and I'm going to get it. Absolutely. Yeah. And my mom, she told me, like, if we have a problem, we go around it or we go on top of it, we go down it or we go through it. You know, so basically, like a problem is just it's a solution for every single problem. That's what I tell Mm -hmm. my kids. So there's no problems. It's just people that's willing to work harder for it or to not give up. You know, there's been so many doors slammed in my face, but I don't take no for an answer. If, if somebody's telling me no, I'm talking to the wrong person. Or if it's like, I can't do it, I'm going to find a way to do it. That's just how it goes. Because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? But it's not necessarily that it's not easy. It's just, it's a roadblock. It's a roadblock. So just jump over it, figure it out, learn from it and keep it moving. But don't ever stop. You know, don't ever stop. That would definitely be a, something that I would say because yeah, I, like you said, I was terrified because it wasn't that I was just being reckless. I didn't know. That just goes to speak to my mindset. I didn't even know it was closing costs. Like I said, I almost went into the title company with a stack of money, like 6300 thinking this is just regular. No, you have to do a wire or a check. So that's something that I didn't know, you know. But yeah, I knew like, okay, listen, I don't have it now, but I can pick up a couple extra shifts. You know, Lord and behold, I have to borrow some money, but I was going to do whatever it took to get that $1,500 in those 15 days so that I can close. Mm. So now moving forward, like going into the second year, I kind of like want to talk about also. I want to talk about how you were living during that year. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about like the actual home ownership, the side that a lot of people don't talk about, like some of the maintenance issues or things like that. What was that like in preparing for that second property? Yeah, absolutely. So me, I just went in with an open mindset. So no matter what happened, like one time the basement flooded, I had never experienced that before, but I'm like, what? As long as I'm safe and my house is clean for my kids, I'm just going to deal with it. But it was literally like when new stuff was happening, I would just reach out to everybody I could. So I remember my coworker, she had referred me to a plumber. I didn't even know any plumbers. I didn't know electrician. I was calling people in the yellow pages. This was in 09, guys. So yeah, you know, it was a while ago. I couldn't just hop on Facebook or anything yet. But I was just, it was literally as problems happened. So the good thing I feel like about me by not knowing anything about real estate is I didn't know, like, I didn't have anybody to negative talk me like, oh, you can buy this house and it can flood. Like, so I just didn't know. So like, as things came up, like, I would just figure out ways to fix it. So again, the plumbing, the basement flooded. Okay, find a plumber. The lights don't work in the kitchen. Let me find an electrician. You know, it was more so like when something happened, just fix it and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. But during that time, for sure, what I would say is there was a sacrifice. So honestly, I live good. My kids live good. As uh, far as what we were, we were living below our means, but we ate, you know, every day. We could go to a restaurant once every week if we went to uh, the Coney Island up the street just to write our goals down. So we were doing that every Saturday. Only thing I would say I sacrificed is not having a show place house where people wanted to come to my house because everything was so nice. And then not going out to the club every night, you know, mm-hmm. and not having the nicest, newest car. So but when you think about it, what does those things really do for you? You know, it just was going to make other people think that I was more than I really was. So I didn't even want that extra attention anyway. So it really wasn't a sacrifice. Me, The kids still had a good life. We still went to restaurants on the weekends. Everything was good. Just no partying, no Jordans. I didn't get an iPhone until like what, last year. You know what I'm saying? But again, things that didn't matter, you know, as far as me having not to have food, not to have clothing, like all that, not to have transportation. I was still able to sustain all of that while still saving for my next property. 
So that's really the question. Are you willing to sacrifice the Lamborghinis, the Jordans, the iPhones just for a year though? You know, just try it for one year to sacrifice and not buy anything extra. And it can seriously change your life. So that's what I would just say. But again, and then at the end of the day, it doesn't mean as much. But I'd rather, you know, have it and be able to continue to get it instead of, oh, I got the latest iPhone. And then now I'm stuck with this iPhone for six years because I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's basically what my mindset was. Just make sure we're clean, healthy. Everybody's eating good. But at the end of the day, save as much as you can. But mind you, I had already cut out my biggest expense, which was the rent. So that was number one. Like the rent is our biggest expense. So by me not paying it, instead of me going to spend it, like I could have been like, oh yeah, I'm at the club every night. Y'all, I don't have a mortgage. I'm making all this. I got $700 extra plus I'm working. I could have really been at the club and probably been in VIP, right? Yeah, it could have been easy to spend that money. Yeah, I was like, nope. I mean, just sit down and people was probably looking at me like, dang, you own a house and you still can't do nothing? You know, that's what people was probably thinking, but little did they know I was just saving as much as I can because I knew when I got my next tax return, I wanted to buy another house. And that's exactly what I did. So mm-hmm. basically, uh, this was in 2009, guys. Let me make sure everybody understand that. And then also, just really quick, I don't want to hear anybody saying, well, she only did that because she was in Detroit. I could never do that in my neighborhood. First of all, there's no law that says you cannot buy in Detroit if you live in Boston or New York. So that's an excuse that you're trying to make it seem you like you're trying to justify for me doing the hard work there. Mm-hmm. I helped ever since in um, 2012, I started helping out-of-state investors buy in Detroit. So again, it was in Detroit and I was blessed to be here, but you could have still purchased in Detroit, even if you were out-of-state, people do it all the time. And then, yeah, so a lot of people say that. And then how does she, you know, we can never afford a house this cheap. You could because you can buy, let me say this really quick. You can buy a $350,000 house for 5% down. So I don't, I should have already had it, but I'm going to run it on my calculator really quick just so I don't look like a fool um, on everybody. But yeah, so if you don't have a house and your house is say your market is too expensive, you can't afford a $6,000 house in Detroit, you can buy a $350,000 house today for 5% down. That's $17,000, right? So don't say you can't afford it. And guess what? Banks like Bank of America, all these national banks, they have a grant right now that will give you up to $10,000. So again, you could essentially be in a $350,000 house right now for $7,000. Wait, so whoa, don't tell whoa, me whoa, it's whoa. not possible. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> they got programs like that in the D? It, no, it's everywhere. Go to Bank of America. You know Bank of America is in every state. Yeah, it's the first time homebuyer grant. So everything about real estate and all of this stuff is lack of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So getting with people like myself or just following people or even on the internet, you know, I heard that on the internet and then I had to do more research, right? If you hearing people on YouTube talking for free, they're not going to tell you every single thing. So if that piqued my interest, like, hold on, I can get a $350,000 house for $7,000. I started doing some research. So 5% down, which is a conventional or FHA loan, that's their mortgage. And then if you are a first-time home buyer, you get a grant on top of that up to $10,000. So that's how you do it. So mm-hmm. again, I'm going to be that person. So if you guys aren't following me, make sure you follow me. I told them on my life, like, I'm going to be the person that tell all the secrets. As I'm learning rich things or things that rich people do now that I've hit the $2 million on my portfolio, like I'm learning more things, obviously with tax savings, I'm going to be the one. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to be the one that tell you guys, because again, how many lives did that change, especially in our community when they're thinking like, oh, I can't afford a house because mm-hmm. all the houses are 300,000, but they don't know that you can get this house for $7,000. So that's a stimulus check and a tax return, right? What right. we're getting right now. Yeah. And a call with me, book a call with me, you know, and let me tell you how to do it or whatever the case may be. 
But again, so don't make excuses. Say, oh, it's too cheap there because I just showed you guys. It doesn't matter where you're at. If I was in another state and I heard that Detroit had properties this cheap and I knew that's all I can afford, I would have found a way to get here or to invest there. So again, the mindset, that's what you got to change. Number one, your mindset, nothing's going to stop you. You want to invest in real estate. I don't care if I live in a high community or properties are too high. Let me find the cheap communities or let me find somebody that's doing what I'm doing and have a conversation with them and see how they did it, you know? So that's my gift to the community. And I'm going to always be that person to tell you guys, I got some more secrets I want to tell, but I want to get to the, you know, I want to get continuing before I start. Nah, nah. You, you doing you know, it. Yeah, yeah like you, you is preaching right now. The other secrets that I want to tell you guys. <laughs> and I, I kind of want to go into it. I want to go into that little flex you just had. Like she but went from making 20 bands, yeah. 20 bands a year. Now she worked two milli. Come on, two man. million. My portfolio just hit two million yesterday. So the flip that I'm doing just appraised for $50,000 more than we expected. So now that pushed me over $2 million, guys. I, I know. Hey. Look, I still feel the same, though. I still feel the same. But we're going to see. I'm going to pour it back into the community. But don't get it twisted, though. And I'm going to talk about this margins. But luckily for me, I'm in a good situation. But don't get it twisted. $2 million in real estate is not $2 million in the bank. So if you come mm. trying to borrow money, I probably don't got it because everything I do, I put it in these properties. So again, that's... that's so let people know. So people like, yeah, I got a $10 million portfolio, but hold on. My you still, you know what I'm saying? The margins are way low. So it's not 2 million in the bank. I retired. No, it's definitely not that, but I'll talk more about that. Yep. A little bit later. <laughs> nah. And that's yeah. really dope. Uh, no. So it wasn't about the 2 million in the bank. Like what? Cause I, I love when people touch on that concept because people really, they, they have a bad conception of what a millionaire is like. That's still a millionaire, even though your money tied up in investments, you're still a millionaire with it. Because if you were to liquidate that, you would still have that money. Mm -hmm. But like we said, it's still tied up. But no. So I guess going back into that second property, some with that. So you went, did the same thing. You bought it with the tax return again. And you just repeated that process for seven years, guys. So, again, yeah. don't say it was just a bubble. It was just 2009 from 2009 into 2016. I bought only one house a year during tax time. So when I look at my deeds, I'm like February, March, as soon as those taxes drop, that's when I was getting them. So it's seven years. And then in 2016, I think I bought two more. Yeah. So two that year. And then the following year, I got to my 10, my mm -hmm. 10 total in 2017. So yeah, but mm -hmm. during this time, you were still working the same waitress job or did you pivot careers? No, I was still working until I had 10 properties free and clear. Yeah. Wow. wow. And actually, yeah, actually, it's just a funny story. I still work there to this day. Like, so even though I was a millionaire, all that stuff, I still live like I was making 22,000. So I was scared to quit. So what happened was I'm not technically employed, but so what happened was every weekend I was working only weekends because I had 10 properties and then people would say, Hey, I need to pay an extra bill. Do you want to take the day off? So I was like, yeah. So three weeks in a row, somebody had worked for me the weekend. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. So my boss called me and said, hey, Ashley, we're not firing you. We love you, but you haven't been to work in three weeks. So what I'm going to do is you're going to still be here. You're still employed. I'm going to take you off the schedule and just call me whenever you're ready to work more consistent. I said, okay, no problem. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I never called. <laughs> so <laughs> technically I'm still an employee, but I never called. I still would have been there though, because it was so hard for me to quit. 
Yeah. Mm. So after that, I actually quit. I was financially free at 27 years old. No, yeah, 27 years old. Yeah, financially free. I never had to work. And then I actually retired. So then at 30, three years later, so my kids was getting tired of me because I was always there. I was always at home. Like when I would go out of town, they wouldn't even miss me. I'm like, what's going on? Because I was there all the time. I was 27 and financially free. So I started to work again for a bank part-time at 30, even still with my 10 properties. But that was for my next journey because you do need some kind of W-2. And I'll talk about that. But yeah, so I started working at the bank part-time and I literally just quit the bank after five years in February. So I'm 100% financially free and retire only working for myself. So let me say that first, because that's a blessing and I'm 34. But what I would say is why some people might say, yeah, I want to do that. retire at 34. Listen to what I said. Even though I was a millionaire and owned 10 properties, I still worked. I still took another part-time job and worked there for five years. Even when my Bigger Pockets episode came out, it went viral. I still worked until February. My portfolio is almost $2 million. So keep that in mind, guys. It's not like soon as I buy one house or two houses, I'm going to quit my job. Mm -hmm. If you like your job or if it's not anything that's going to put you in danger, try to stay as long as possible because it's going to help you. You know, and I understand everybody like don't work for people. That's fine. But it's a position. Don't just up and quit your job without having a plan. Because as soon as things don't go right, you'll be looking for another job, right? So make sure that stick out too. I just want to say, because people, you know, like I said, people talk about the glitz and glamour. Oh, she's 34. She's a millionaire, got $2 million portfolio. She quit her job, but they're not talking about, yeah, she still had 10 properties, still was working every day. She still could have been financially free, but she actually chose to. And not trying to be funny, I was making more than my boss's boss's boss. And I still was the best employee. I was a manager. I was getting like 10 surveys, like nobody would tell me anything. You would never know that I was a millionaire and I'm sitting there in the bank taking care of people, you know? So that's just something to be said. (laughs) That's something important to point out because that's like a mindset piece that I think people have to really like internalize it. Like, cause like, it's easy to say. And I really like, I want to point out that one thing you said about when you went work at the bank, it was for, to prepare you for the next part of your journey. So like, could you get into that a little bit? Like, what was that? What do you mean by that? Before you even go into like the next part of your journey, because You know, we talked about the first reason why you wanted to buy the property was just to eliminate your largest expense. But then you ended up just turning up. What made you fall in love with the real estate? What made you was like, you know, I think I'm about to go all in on this. Yeah. So HGTV for sure. Watching that. And then also just the prices. Like I said, I thought it was for everybody. But again, if it only takes $5,000 to buy this house and I know I'm getting $5,000 on the tax return. So it's not even like my money. So at one point after the second house, I didn't even have to save throughout the year. I was just going to wait for the taxes and buy that. So those were just multiple things. And then also that's $700 a month, you know, like, so again, when I rented my first house, I was getting $700 a month. I like that. So I'm like, yeah, I can do this again. I'm gonna use my tax money, get $700 a month. Now it's $1,400 a month. You know what I'm saying? So I really like that. And I knew that's going to help me get the next one. So once I got my second property, I thought just little, I didn't know is I thought I'm going to buy 10 properties wait 10 years, they'll all be worth a hundred thousand, sell on and make a million dollars by the time I'm 30. And then I was going to move to California. And I thought life would be great. Right. That was just my plan. Cause I was 23 at the time. So it was seven years. I'm sorry. So buy 10 properties, let them be worth a hundred thousand, sell them all, make a million dollars and retire. But obviously it's not possible. You can't just retire off a million dollars. You need that residual income. So that was just the plan. So after the second house, it mostly was just like, just getting to 10. You know, that's what kept me going. Like, I just want to get to 10 properties. It's the whole number. 
by selling my 400,000, I make a millionaire. And I think I had read an article like Mark Zuckerberg was the youngest millionaire at 30. So I'm like, I can do it. I can be a millionaire at 30. It was a Forbes article and just trying to get to 10 and just trying to, you know, be special, like be a millionaire at 30. Cause that was the thing. Now Kylie Jenner didn't knock it out. She is a billionaire yeah. at 21. So, you know, but maybe I can do that for my son, even though it's in quotation marks, billionaire in quotation marks. <laughs> but yeah, maybe Ashton I can Bond. help my kids or maybe my grandkid will be a billionaire. <laughs> right. But see, so it's still not too late for me. I just help somebody else. But yeah, that was just what really got me going to the next one. Just trying to get to 10, trying to retire. And then it's so much transition. So we have to get back to what David was saying. So yeah, so basically I was pretty much at a brick wall. So I had bought 10 properties. And what I would say about that, what a lot of people don't mention is I was making over $8,000 a month on those properties in cash flow. So that was replacing three jobs right there, especially my 20,000. I was making 20,000 in two or three months, but never changed anything. Still shopping at Walmart. It is what it is. So at that point though, I was kind of stuck because, now I couldn't buy because even though I was paying like five thousand for the property, I was still putting about seventeen to twenty thousand in it. So altogether twenty five. So I was using my rents and paying that. So at that point in two thousand nineteen, properties were more. So instead of paying twenty five thousand all in, I was going to have to pay forty thousand all in, right? Which is still better, you know, to own a whole property for forty thousand dollars. That's still like nowhere in the world. But I knew I couldn't save up forty thousand. I could save up twenty five but I couldn't save up 40,000. So I needed to start leveraging bank, business credit, hard money. Like I just went ham and it all happened from learning. You know, even though a lot of people said, well, you were a millionaire, you had 10 properties. I never had my first mortgage until 2019. So Mm. I had no clue how the banks work. I never knew what business credit was until 2019. I didn't know what leverage meant at all. And that's when I went ahead and exploded. So I kept the job, even though I wanted to quit every day. Because that little income that I was making from Bank of America, it was a W-2 income. So you can walk into some banks and say, hey, I make $10,000 a month in self-employment. They're still going to look at you sideways if you come in there and say, I make $2,000 a month in W-2 income. That W-2 income makes them feel secure because that's what they understand. People need to realize bankers and loan officers are not investors. They don't think like us. So they think that that W-2 Oh, that's security. At least she has a job. She can't work for herself, you know? So I needed that W-2. That's why I stayed at the bank as long as, well, my part-time job as long as possible because I still needed that W-2 income to kind of boost me to qualify for more loans. So in 2019, again, when I owned these properties free and clear, that means I had no mortgage. So if you own a property free and clear, you can go to a bank and pull out the value of it, a percentage of it. So we analyzed my whole portfolio. I picked four houses and I was able to get 30,000 from each house. So they were probably worth 45 or 50. And but again, houses you paid free less than $5,000. One house I paid $1,900 for. I got a $30,000 loan for it. Yeah. Three oh, years later, man. I'm telling you, but I did put 17,000 in work. I paid $1,900 for the house. It was 17,000 in work. And yes, and I literally refinanced it and got $30,000 on it. So again, 30,000 times four. So again, mind you, let me just say this point as well. So that's when I realized, okay, I'm about to change it. So I refinanced four properties. I got 30,000 each. I got a check for $120,000, right? Imagine what people would do. Like I'm going to the Rolly store. I'm getting some Gucci shoes. I went to work part-time to go help people with $120,000 check in my purse. At the end of the shift, I'm like, hey guys, I got to deposit this. They're like, why are you still here? You This your money. Don't owe nobody nothing. My tenants are paying all that money back for me times 10. 
So it wasn't like, oh, I had to pay it back. I was nervous. No, but I still went to work. And that's, I just can imagine like, even my older self, like get that check, walk into work and they think I'm coming to work. And I'm like, I quit, I quit. You know what I'm saying? Throwing yeah. a check in their face. That's what I would have did if I didn't have kids and a legacy to build. But I took that check and I still came to work. So what that $120,000 was able to let me do was use leverage to buy more properties. So again, I could have went to Gucci. I could have had the flyest G-Wagon and all that stuff, but I decided to, nope, I'm people don't because I got gold. So that 120,000 helped me along with the business credit and hard money loans, get 11 properties in one year. So on my birthday, August 12, 2019 to August 12, 2020, I bought 11 properties and eight of them were all using cash. Yeah, I double my portfolio. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You said you bought them all cash? Eight of them. Eight of them was oh. cash. Yeah, eight of them was cash because we were using refinance. Yeah. Come on, man. Like, that's a new that, one. <laughs> and that's that Ashley special. So when all the Ashleys come on, we're gonna have to get that. Nah, <laughs> for real though, man. Yeah, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna make y'all your own damn sound. Like <laughs> that Ashley talk, man. Funny noises, man. Right. I do have a question. So while you were working at the bank, what were you doing for somebody who might be trying to figure out how can they leverage their job or how can you leverage the information that you're currently getting to put yourself in a better situation? How were you using that or how did you learn like, hey, you just went in and started talking to people about how do I refinance stuff or how did that work as far as learning that stuff so that you could use it for yourself? Right. That's a great question. So I love my bank people. So don't get me wrong, but a lot of people at the bank, guys, they are not financially stable. Like they teach us how to teach you and advise you. But no, working at the bank did not give me a leg up because nobody even knew it could talk about what I was doing. So they weren't the ones that can help me. But I was utilizing podcasts, YouTube, and like the internet. So how I really started, the first question was, how do I even get along? I don't know. All I know is I own 10 properties. They're worth about 800000 at the time. I don't have a mortgage. How do I get along? So a lot of times, I'm not going to lie, when I called banks, they were discriminatory against me. I don't know if they thought I didn't know what I was doing because I was black because I was a female, but they were like, you don't qualify. It's too risky. Detroit is too risky. So every Monday from three to four, so that's just one hour a week, guys. So we can give ourselves one hour a week. Every Monday from three to four, I would call any bank, credit union, or mortgage lender that would answer the phone just by using Google. And then I would call with different scenarios. So one, Hey, I own a property free and clear. I don't have a mortgage. How can I qualify? That was just it. The second day. Oh, hey, I want to buy a property using a mortgage. How do I qualify? Okay. When I started getting tired with that, let me start calling her money lenders. Okay. I want to do a hard money loan. How does that work? And basically, instead of me doing it in reverse, finding this house that I really love and then going to the bank to figuring out it doesn't qualify. I was like, let me figure out what they require first. Mm -hmm. And then let me find properties and stuff to fit in that box. So with hard money, they gave me their qualifications, which was typically a property that's worth 65% less than it will be after it's fixed up. So I said, okay, cool. And it's in Detroit. They told me exactly what they wanted. And then I found properties that met that criteria. So mm -hmm. that's how I was. But honestly, like I said, the people at the bank, they were helpful, but a lot of them didn't understand that financing part. So it was just by reaching out to banks, credit unions, mortgage lenders. And it was just one hour a week. And it took me three weeks before I got a yes to finance the four properties. And I was actually about to give up. I was about to give up because I had been hearing no for three weeks. And in that fourth week, the lender, he actually called and he did four properties for me. When everybody said I didn't qualify for one, one guy did four properties for me. So again, if you're hearing no guys, you're probably talking to the wrong people. 
If you don't know anything else, like I said, I got turned down for three weeks straight by countless lenders saying I did not qualify. But that one lender did four properties that got me $120,000. Now imagine if I would have gave up after that three weeks, I would have lost a hundred thousand. I would have lost the 10, 11 properties in one year. So don't give up guys. If you hear no, keep going at it. Find somebody, somebody in the world, I guarantee you is doing what you want to do or been where you're at similar. So make sure you just find it's all you have to do is find that person that's been there and try to reach out to them, then that's what you do. But don't give up because everybody, like I said, I've been told no so many times and I was still able to change my life by keep going and not stopping. Mm. And that well, one hour a week. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's that's pressure. Like even the fact, like you said, you know, you almost gave up, but you found someone instead of just doing one for you, they did four for you. Four. And once again, that speaks to your no excuses and just like you having that grit and also, I think it's like an obedience type thing. Like we was talking about earlier, you know, people be like, you know, God, this this might not be for me. A lot of times people think just because it's hard, that means that it's not for you. But that's not what it's that not means whenever it comes easy. to God. Like a lot of yeah. stuff is not supposed to be easy, especially with whenever we're talking about building legacies and breaking generational curses. Like the things that we've been plagued with, none of this shit is supposed to be easy. Like Right. This is 200 years of trauma that you're trying to undo in a generation. You think that shit's supposed to be easy? Like, I don't Sorry. think a lot of people see it like that, though, because they think, you know, man, I'm just getting these no's. Like, I guess that just means this not for me. I just need to go back to work and just work harder and just wait until that perfect time comes. Because you know what? I just got to wait for it. But it's like, no, you need to actually go out and work for it. Yeah, yeah. Go get it. And what I would say is you're absolutely right. But think about this, though. It only takes one person in your family to do that. One mm. risk taker, one person to not give up. Everybody don't have to. Right. So like I said, no, I love my family, but my mother didn't do it. You know, our grandmother didn't do it. And I don't think it was because they didn't want to. It was, they didn't have the knowledge. Mm -hmm. So now I'm the one that had to sacrifice. Yeah, I sacrificed five years. The only thing I really sacrificed is going to the clubs and stuff. But now guess what? Nobody in my family ever has to sacrifice. Nobody mm -hmm. in my family after me ever had to say, well, the bank said no, what to do now? Because I was that one risk taker to change the whole trajectory of our family. So again, I understand you will run into roadblocks. It will be hard, but think about it. You are the only person that has to go through this. And now everybody that comes after you, you can tell them how to do it. Don't do it this way, do it that way. So again, generational wealth only takes one risk taker. One risk taker, one person that's with a mindset that don't quit, because again, everything that I've learned, I can tell it and teach to my family. So they don't have to take risks because now I've done it for them. Mm -hmm. So again, it all boils down to just be that one person. Like I said, we can't depend on our parents and stuff. And if you're not doing it, so that means you're going to leave it up to your kids to do it. No, we have to do it now, especially because of the access to information. Like your podcast is educating so many people for free. You know what I'm saying? For free. So again, it, that's just an excuse, but you're going to have to get out of that mindset and be the one. Again, don't think it's bigger than you. If you have to put yourself to the side and say, hey, listen, like I had some people that called me like she's 60, you know, and she's like, well, it's too late for me and all that stuff. It's never too late. Even if you can't physically be out here busting down walls and doing the demo, you can learn the information and pass it along. And I had talked about that recently about just three things I just want to tell the audience here, what I feel like as the black community, what we need to focus on. And I'm trying to put together nonprofits or whatever I do that can help. 
two things that we have to do that the wealthy people have been doing for years. But right now, our young black men, 20 to 24, are being assassinated, right? By the media, by ourselves. So why not get them life insurance, guys? Life insurance, these black men are healthy. Look at us, look how we, when I see black men, I just see how they're built. Like, look at us, like we just powerful, you know? So but we can qualify for the cheapest life insurance for, <laughs> for five to $10 a month. So when your child turns 18, these young black men, if you can't do anything else, pay that $5, $10 a month, get this guy some life insurance. That way, if unfortunately some tragedy happened, which is proud to happen anyway, it's not like we're putting a curse on them. It's just the statistic of black men from 18 to 24 walking outside are losing their lives. So why not put this life insurance on them for five and $10 a month and then go out for being something does happy, but not happen. Now our whole family is set up. Now we don't have to do a GoFundMe. Even if it's 50, $100,000, now we got enough money to bury him properly. And then we can use the rest of this money to buy a house and start yep. the family, you know, so turn tragedy into triumph, right? And like I said, not wishing, I know it's scary even for myself to think about life insurance because I have a black son, right? But I have to because I don't want, you know, it's just the statistics that what can happen, but at least we will be prepared and we don't have to go in the media and ask for money if something were to happen. And it's not just our sons. I was just saying, it just these you, you know, that's going to be one thing to set us up. The second thing I want to tell people is get your credit together. It is so easy, guys. I'm not, not going to say it's easy. But it is so attainable. Mm -hmm. I talked to some of the highest credit repair specialists in the country. They said the average file takes about $750 and 90 days to fix. Now, maybe it's a year, maybe it's a thousand dollars, but guys, get your credit together because what I did not know is that by me having good credit, I was able to add my 15-year-old son and my 17-year-old daughter to my credit as authorized users. When my daughter turns 18 and six months, she's going to adapt my 800 credit score. Hmm. So if I can't do anything for my daughter, I can get my credit in place and add her on and give her an 800 credit score. Here, here you go to the world, baby. You know, go to college and stuff. Like if I can't do anything else for her, at least give her that good credit history. Hmm. You know, so that's the third thing. And then also you can literally start businesses. I'm just learning this. This is a little bit, I guess, farther down, but you can literally have your LLCs pay your kids $12,000 a year tax-free. So just really quickly, it was me. I was in a crunch. So luckily I was blessed to start a business in 2019 and it did really well, better than I expected. So I was looking at paying $25,000 in taxes this year, right? Oh, so think about it. Fast forward a girl beautiful. who started off. Yeah, right. But started off by using her tax return. Now I'm on the other end of it. Now I got to pay. So at the last minute, I was able to convert that. And I'm not a tax expert. I want to tell you guys that I'm not a CPA, but I was able to convert my LLC and take the S-Corp election and pay my kids $12,000 each for the year. Now I only have to pay $1,000 in taxes. And like I said, you see what I'm saying? And my kids got $12,000. So they invested in their IRA and now they're going to partner up and start doing real estate deals. But that's Generational another story. Wealth, but yeah, so they're partnering with me. Yeah. You guys follow me. It's, I'm learning now, so I have to be careful what I say because I'm not licensed CPA, but I'm going to be the one to tell you guys because if I can't do anything but just tell you, hey, listen, when you start that business, start paying your kids, you can get it tax-free. If that's all I can do to the community, I will be that person because I don't want to hoard any secrets. It's enough money to go around and we, it's been too long. We've been in the trenches too long. You know what I'm saying? So that's my job to try to help the community as much as possible. Now I can give you the information though. You have to take action. 
you have to sacrifice. If it's getting your credit in place, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't like numbers. Hire credit repair. You got your stimulus check. You got your tax return. I know you might can't afford a house with that money, but pay to get your credit in place so that you can use your credit to get this business credit. I didn't even talk about business credit and the power and the amazing of that, and, you know, the amazing possibilities from that. But it's just so much wealth out here. It's so much knowledge. And the rich people have been doing it for years. Maybe hmm. they got these secret clubs that they're not telling us. I don't know. But I feel like in our it's community, even though I don't want to talk about it yeah. but our community, <laughs> we are so prone to hoard. Like, oh, they just hooked me up and I just saved 25000 on taxes, but I'm not going to tell anybody. You know, that's how a lot of our community is. So I want to make sure because they feel like maybe it wasn't right or it was unfair. But it is an unfair advantage. But look, we got billionaires that's only paying $700 in taxes. So I don't know if that's why they keep it quiet, but I'm not going to keep it quiet. If I find out a way to save taxes, I'm telling it to my audience, period. If I find out a way how to get life insurance with no exam, I'm telling it to my audience, period, because I know this is the things that we need for our community. But ultimately, I cannot make you do it. You have to be the one that listen to the information, do a little more research and take action on it. That's my gems to you guys. <laughs> nah, that's pressure. You got me excited as hell. Like, I, I, love the, I love the fact that, like, after you paying them, them not just taking the money. Yeah, I already bullshit. Like, because that's what most people think. Like, oh, I'm gonna give my kid that money. They're gonna mess it off. But that's a part but of generational wealth, too. You educating your children and showing them these things and them seeing their mother out here. Well, shit, mama on all these properties. She ain't got to go to work for nobody. Shit, I need that too. I need that too. I can get started right out the gate. Now I got good credit. I got money. Mm-hmm. You gave them a head start. Real talk. That's beautiful. I love that. The reason why they didn't go spend it because they still 15 and 17. So they still got to listen to mama, you know? Because <laughs> I had to tell them, like, look, you think you're rich. I know it was a lot, but it won't be. It's going to be a thousand a month, but because we had to backdate it for the year, that's why they got so much. But they still got to listen. Other than that, they would have had to take it and get on somewhere, you know. So <laughs> I feel like they wanted to keep their chances of staying here instead of taking the twelve thousand to live on their own. <laughs> yeah, I like that on the video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, still got to listen to Mama. <laughs> I got one question. I was going to get into business credit next, but I, I want to talk about like the personal finance acumen that you have because like. It seems like it's really mm-hmm. well. And I know you said like you grew the up. beginning of mm-hmm. your journey, like you didn't grow up with that. You didn't grow up with anyone talking about business, anyone talking about life insurance, anyone finance talking in about just finances in general. So throughout that process of you becoming a homeowner and then becoming a landlord, like how long did it take you to actually start building and start understanding, you know, this personal finance is also what's very important to this journey. 2019 after. So very recent after I owned 10 properties. So all I knew is that obviously I didn't know like how to play the game, the leverage game. So I knew how to save money and buy properties cash, what I can afford. And I also knew that my credit would be important, but I didn't learn about leveraging credit, using credit, business credit, loans, getting in the financial stuff into 2019. And then even with the tax strategy stuff, I literally just learned that three months ago. You know, because I was forced with the situation. So basically, I'm a person that when something happens to me, I just let it happen, even if I have to pay somebody or whatever. So I was hit with the 25000 tax bill. I could have said, oh, they're going to have to catch me, you know, or I'm not going to file my taxes or I'll have to pay the IRS back. I said, no, somebody has to know how I can lower this bill. If it's billionaires is not paying this, I know me and my little crumbs ain't shouldn't be paying this. 
So it was piqued my interest and I just start. So I knew this was a problem that I had. I had to pay the IRS taxes and I needed to solve it. So using Instagram, YouTube, self-educating and then booking consultations with CPA because we all are human, right? So I, I don't just take one person opinion like when I was calling a bank. So I may have talked to five different CPAs and then now I figured out exactly how it works. And now I'm going to let the one CPA I'm going to let her leverage my knowledge that I've learned as well and leverage her knowledge. We're going to do it together. Was Also, anytime I had a problem, and that's how I've been learning. So in 2019, I was stuck with the problem that I didn't have enough money to continue purchasing all cash. So I had a problem. I started fixing it. Let me get with these banks. You know, so that's how I learned. But it was barely recent. It wasn't like a degree. I think I did one month in college, maybe one semester. So definitely not a degree, not highly educated, you know. And I like it that way. I'm blessed. You know, I never really liked it. And I don't want to talk bad about anybody, but I never really liked the idea of school because I saw how everybody, no matter, I didn't see their debt, but I saw so many people that I knew start off as a nurse and then they're in, now they want to be a doctor. Now they want to be a counselor. And like, after 10 years of school, you end up going to get a job at a factory. Like, you know, so I'm like, you know what? I never really liked that idea. And also just the debt aspect of it. So I had to just get going, you know what I'm saying? But I do believe in the, you know, the institution of it. I want my kids to go to college, but I'm not going to sit here and say I'm highly educated. So again, no excuses. So if I ain't got a degree, I can't get started. Ashley didn't have a degree. I didn't have any homeowners. Like I was blessed to buy my mother her first house. And my mother at 55, she was never a homeowner at 55 years old. And I was able to buy my mother, you know, and that was a blessing for me. That was a blessing. But again, it just shows how much we didn't know. And I'm sure my mother, she would have known, she would have did it too. But that was a blessing for me to be able to do that. So yeah. So again, it, it wasn't like I just knew all this. I didn't have, like I said, I didn't have anybody I can talk to. It was just trial and error. But also if you hear no or you're faced with a problem, find a solution for it. That's just it. That's as simple as that. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and that's amazing being able to buy your mama house after seeing like how it started. And it kind of just speaks to the importance of personal finance, like staying true to those principles, living below your means. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Staying true to, like, staying a student and always wanting to learn and grow is always going to pay and reward you in the long term. Absolutely. So I still kind of want to hop onto the business credit piece just a little bit with you because... Okay. That was a major part of your journey whenever you, you mentioned expanding. So you pulled the equity out of those properties and you got the business credit together. You said you got almost, what was it? Like almost $100,000 of business credit. 147000 yeah. So basically I had never heard about business credit, business funding, anything like that. Was blessed to be on a live with Mr. Will Roundtree. I always plug him. Uh, he's a credit guru and he had said business credit. So I didn't, you know, try to hound him down and stuff like that. I listened, I took the information, I took notes, and then I did research. So I was learning from him, everybody online. So basically, just not to give it all away because I am doing it, but what most people think, so what I started to hear was you need a Dunn's number, you need a net 30 account, you need a listed phone number, you need a fax number. And I'm like, I don't know what the heck this is. I got 10 businesses. I don't have, you know, over-exaggerate. I don't have time. And it became really complicated. So I found a company that does it for you. It's a done for you service, right? And I didn't go plug them because I have some more stuff, but yeah. So anyway, go, I let them do it for me and I was a student. So they charge about, I think it was $4,000. They charged me, but 
in just what they did is these are all personal credit cards, right? So Bank of America, Chase, they're business credit cards, though, at just regular banks that you're going to. And it's in your business name and it goes by based on your credit. So your credit has to be in position. So basically they work with me in the beginning. They told me here, pay this credit card down to 2000. But ultimately it's not as complicated as people think. So it's business credit cards, just like, like I said, regular bank. And the thing is you go and apply for multiple on the same day. So for me, we applied for four the very same day. And I think I got $94,000 in 17 days, right? So that's half the battle. Obviously it's just getting in position knowing the information and going to the bank. So I got $94,000 on regular plastic credit cards, no 0% interest for a year. But the battle is how do you get the money off of that, right? Like how can I go buy a house on this credit card and come to find out you can't, you can. So literally there are services out here that charge a minimum amount and you can wire funds directly from your credit card to any other business. So a title company who I was purchasing the properties from is a business. So I literally, when I got the $94,000 on business credit cards, so again, Chase, Bank of America, all these regular banks, I literally wired the funds from that credit card to the title company. And I bought two properties for none of my own cash, not using my own credit because this is business credit. So it doesn't attach to your personal credit. So none of the banks knew I had that or anything, but yeah, bought two properties, spent $70,000 and got the houses free and clear with no mortgage, no anything. Just all of my business credit. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. You didn't have to pay interest for a whole year on any of them properties. Yeah, nothing. So it was completely free. So again, when you are dealing with hard money or banks, you have to pay interest. So just like if you ordered a personal credit card right now, they typically give you 0% interest for the first year. Now, the reason why I do training and coaching because it can be very dangerous to get $94,000, especially for people, because you do have to pay it back. You just have a year to pay it back. So I had to make sure that what I was purchasing, I was going to be able to flip or refinance or something within that year. So that's exactly what I did. So I bought the two properties using the credit cards, fixed them up. And just luckily, one of the properties I bought for $44,000 appraised at $90,000. So I was able to do a cash out refi and I got $70,000. And that's how I paid the credit card off mm. after the year. So again, it's still a great way to get two properties free and clear. So now I own them free and clear. So it started off with $70,000 in business credit. Well, I own one of them free and clear. I refinanced one of them, got a mortgage on it to pay the $70,000 off. So that's just the whole thing. So I always educate people on first, you have to pay it back. It's not a free for all. So you want to make sure you have a plan and that if you're going to invest in real estate or maybe you're going to start a business and maybe a t-shirt printing business, you know how profitable they can be. So now you have a whole year to make the business profitable so that you can pay it back. But again, my goal was simplicity. So there are other forms of business funding, and I'm teaching that on a workshop, but you have business lines of credit, you have business loans. I chose business credit cards because no proof of income, I'm sorry. So they didn't ask for my check stubs, they didn't ask for my W-2s. All I had to do was be in position like with my credit. That was the gems too right there. Like, for real though. <laughs> man, that's a flip, that's a play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just to have the free, like I said, free for a year, it's crazy, but it is, like I said, most people, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions on it. It is a harder way to do it, like getting the home equity lines of credit. But for me, I needed like something quick that I can do easily. And that was the best way. And I have been an expert at it because when I hired the first company to do it for me, that was for one business. I got five businesses. So I went out and did it for my next business. 
you know, and then so it's a strategy, but every year I'm going to build out another business on my own now. So my goal is in four years to have a million dollars in business credit. Again, so that's another thing about business credit. What I love about it is that it's just to that specific business, but you're not limited on how many businesses you can have. You can have 10 businesses and get 100,000 for each one of those businesses. Each business is treated separately. So that's what I really love about business credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that business credit is a heck, y'all. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest uh, with y'all. We we just got us some business credit money. Yeah, man. We literally like two weeks ago. Business credit definitely is a game changer, and I love the way like how you used it to really just level up so fast in the year. It just goes to show like the power of it. Like we uh, we definitely could use it to leverage. I didn't even think about it like how you were just mentioning building. <laughs> like new businesses just to build business credit in that business because that gives you working capital that's not tied to your personal name that like, so how you building it? Well, I know you got the workshop. I don't want to, I can't get all no, the things okay. I well, Hey, can you give us some information about the workshop though? How, how can yeah. people get access to that? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know when this is coming out, but my first workshop, the first time I've ever did it is April 17th. So it's on my stories. It's the link in my bio and everything like that. I'm going to continue to do it, but it's live on Zoom. So I teach you all the strategies that I use, but I go into depth because it's three hours, but I'm still doing like two hours of question and answers after that. I just didn't tell everybody, but yeah. So the access that you just go to my page is the link in my bio is $297, guys. $297. You get three hours. It's live on Zoom. You'll be able at the end to come on camera with me and ask your question regular. And the company that I use and learned from I got a $500 off discount for everybody that comes. So technically you're not even paying $297 because you're going to get a discount to go get business credit done for you yourself of $500. So I paid $4,000 for it. You guys will be getting it for $3,500. So again, you're saving so much, but I'm super excited about it. It's the first time I've ever did it. And I just know it's going to be super crazy. I'm going to go into depth on hard money lending, on the business credit, and then also using traditional banks and credit unions because I do use banks and credit unions all the time. It's a mix, you know, so you're not just going to be doing one thing to keep the wealth coming and to be able to not hit a brick wall. you got to have multiple strategies on fun. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to only get my money from the bank. Oh, I'm only getting my money from these hard money lenders. Like I want private lenders. I want seller finance deals. I want credit cards. I want business lines of credit. So all of that. So I go into depth on it. And as you guys know, I'm not a secretive person. Like I would do it for free because I know that the community needs this information, but I do have to charge because obviously it takes a lot of time to put this together. And I do have back end costs. So if this podcast is before you guys can uh, check it out on my page, but if you go to my Instagram page, Detroit underscore investor, any products I have, any workshops that I have, they will always be on my link and all on my story on my link tree. Sure. Mm, yeah, we definitely we have to plug that workshop down in the show notes for y'all, man. I know yeah, y'all need to get that. <laughs> get that game, man. So yes, quick, please. <laughs> quick question. How many doors do you have now? Okay. So I always get confused, guys. I know it's weird, but because I have to manage myself on a spreadsheet. So I have 24 doors, but I was lucky because one of the last deals I bought, I picked up two vacant lots behind it. So I have 24 doors and four vacant lots. So I always think I got 28 properties because I have to pay taxes on them. But no, it's actually 24. But we have four vacant lots that I'm going to try to build on this year. But yeah, it was a blessing in Detroit. So that's another thing. Like I was buying properties and right behind it, if you have a vacant lot on the side of it or behind it, you can purchase it for $100. So and basically a vacant lot is just... Asia was telling us about that shit. Yeah. 
It's just a vacant lot of just where a house that used to sit there that was burnt down beyond repair. So the city, they demolished it just to clean up the neighborhood. So that's the program. Again, you have to own a property adjacent to it. So I bought one house. I didn't even recognize it was a vacant lot behind it. I bought that. And then I bought a duplex back in August of 2020. And there was two vacant lots right behind it. So I have 24 properties and four vacant lots. So 24 <laughs> properties, 2 million in net worth. <laughs> What's next for you? Where do you see you going? Yeah, so I'm pretty satisfied and I'm still passionate about real estate, but I feel like I'm going to be coaching for sure because everybody needs the information and I'm a just somebody that wants to share it without all the fluff. So I'll be coaching. I am a hard money lender, so I'm going to be lending. Yeah, I am Come a certified on, hard money lender. Yes, yeah, so I can do your loans. Let's do it. I can do your loans. And I'm doing a free hard money lending class. It's a workshop. You guys get to register 100% free because I want to teach you how to work with them first and then come to me to do all your loans. So I'm going to teach you exactly what we're looking for. Do you guys go find it? And I'm going to be your broker. So I want to be a coaching, lending, and then flipping. So again, I've never sold a house. I mean, I have, I sold like two of the ones that I already had, but I never like bought a house, fixed it up and sold it, flipped it. Because mm -hmm. I know the importance of having that money coming in every month. The lump sum is great, but again, all money is meant to be spent. So that's why a lot of people that flip, they're not able to quit flipping or doing their job because again, once the money is gone, it's gone and you pay a lot of taxes on flips. So now that I have the buy and hold and no matter what I do, no matter what, that money is coming in. I don't have to work. I don't have to do anything. Now I'm going to go ahead and start flipping. So mm -hmm. that's what I'm doing. Lending, coaching and flipping mostly, you know, but sky's the limit. <laughs> Mm, Sky is the limit. I, I let all once again vertically integrate. Yep, right. Everything is across the board. And I'm glad you mentioned that thing too, once again, with just uh the buy and hold piece. I don't think we touched on that. Like I think we talked about yeah. the real estates too, like having that cash flow. That's important. But I did want to ask one more thing before the last segment. With Detroit, like what do you think the outlook is on the real estate market? Cause like I was looking into some stuff and for the most part, it looked like it's on the up and up. You know, people were talking bad about it for a real long time, war zone, this and that. From <laughs> what I read, it's like rent going up, a lot of people renting, a lot of young people. A lot people of in the companies city. that's going to Detroit right now, too. Like a lot of companies. Apple, they bringing back yeah. a lot of the manufacturers for the cars. I think Google recently invested. Yeah, Google. In then y'all also had like JP Morgan Chase. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, they have so many. So the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Dan yeah, Gilbert, Gilbert, he, yeah, he invests heavy. Like he brought our Detroit back. Him and then, the, mm -hmm. yeah, Dan Gilbert. So they invested, they brought all our teams downtown. So the, downtown is great. Google is here. Apple is here, but, and the factories, like Detroit is the motor city, right? So for mm -hmm. GM, Chrysler, they're investing billion dollars in facilities. They're actually doing like a smart, Chrysler has like a smart plant where they're doing all their energy efficient cars and stuff. So amazing things. Detroit is special in my heart. Like it's in my blood. And no matter what, it's on the up and up for sure. One thing, if you don't never been here, you don't know anything about Detroit is once the city hits rock bottom, like it's nowhere it can go but up. So if you don't know anything else, like we've already been at the bottom and there's been so many people, so much money lost, so much money made that nobody's going to let that happen again. People like Big Sean, he's he's really active in the community. Celebrities, Eminem, he does things every now and then. But everybody is just all contributing to the rebirth of Detroit. But another thing where a lot of business is because not to, you know, talk bad about any regions, but our climate, you know, so we get cold here, but we're not having floods, power outages, earthquakes, fires. Like 
you know, like in the California stuff. And that's costing business a lot of money, you know, even though even if they just have to get shut down and evacuate because there's a wildfire for two months, that's causing these businesses money. So they want to be places that are economically, I mean, I'm sorry, environmentally friendly, and they don't have to shut down for two and three months every time a hurricane come or a blackout or a fire. So Detroit, we're blessed to not have earthquakes, to not have those fires, to not have massive floods. It does get cold here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all you need is some heat. So that's why a lot of businesses, I, I feel like, are coming here as well. And then they are offering incentives to businesses to come here. So Amazon has been going crazy in the city because they've offered business incentives. So I know California, their business tax is so high. A lot of people mm-hmm. are moving out. A lot of businesses are moving out. So I feel like Detroit will always be on a up, but just really from what I lived through personally. So in 2008, 2009, when I first started, the whole world was an economically challenged time. It was a recession pretty much. And I was still charging $800 a month in rent. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But even now, like I'm renting a three bedroom out for $1,000 a month, which depending on where you're at, that might not be a lot, but it's a lot when you only pay $26,000 for the house, period. You know, you don't have a mortgage, so you pay $26,000 for a house, right? You get your money back. So again, that says something. And that's what Detroit offers, high cash flow. And again, our expenses is low. So if you analyze the deal, like in California or New Jersey, especially like the property taxes are so high, your insurance is high, your cash flow is low. And cash flow, for anybody who don't know, basically, because there's a lot of fake people saying cash flow uh, about cash flow. So if I own 10 properties and say they all make $700 a month, that's $7,000. But I don't have $7,000 a month in cash flow because I still have to pay taxes, insurance, if I have any mortgages, property management, vacancies. So you're on average, you're spending about 30% of that money on, on expenses. So if I... Just to estimate, if I was making $7,000 a month in income, I would say I'm probably making $4,000 a month in cash flow. So you guys have to, when you think about cash flow, that's after all other expenses have been paid. If you're getting $700 a month in rent, that's not cash flow. And to what you bring home after you pay your mortgage, after you pay your utilities and all that stuff, that's cash flow. So Detroit, Midwest is, is the best. Yeah, and the fact that it's still a low price to entry. It's still a low, like even though we're getting a lot of press and stuff, I feel like to buy a property and don't have a mortgage on it for $40,000 still is not too many places in the world that you can do that, that's, you know, yeah, no, that's and especially when I can get you $50,000 in business credit and just, you know, in 10 days. So it's definitely a plug, but you do got to be in position again. That's why I teach you how to get in position and requirements. I'm telling you, but in 10 days, like that's the minimum. This conversation. <laughs> right. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's so powerful. So again, no excuses. <laughs> nah, big facts. And uh, I, I definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like David said, we're going to have to uh, chop it up after this. But I do want to <laughs> move into the last section of the podcast. What's on your timeline? So basically anything that you saw on your timeline could be funny. It could be something uh, sad. Anything that you just want to talk about and expound upon. So even though I'm on social media, I'm not a lot. So what's on my timeline is funding right now. But Obviously, what really touched my heart yesterday was DMX passed away. Yesterday, it was official. I know he had been on life support. So that really touched my heart because I feel any Black man, we are kings. And I understand he may have had struggles and stuff. So from my heart, first of all, condolences to the, how can I use this situation to educate and empower more people? 
you know, I respect DMX so much and he has done amazing things. Like artists back in the day had to work so much harder than mm -hmm. they do now. But, but also with that being said is because he did pass away so tragedy so young and he had so much like limelight exposure and money to make sure that when we do pass, whether it's tragically or planned, that we do leave a legacy for our kids and that we don't just, you know, go and perish away, you know? So that's just something that really touched me um, in my heart. Prayers goes out to him. And I just looked at that as a situation. How can I educate more people to make sure that if something does happen like that, or if we do get the fame and stuff that, that we don't lose it, not even the fame, the money. Cause a lot mm -hmm. of times, like he was still relevant, you know, it wasn't that yeah. he lost fame, but he mm -hmm. did lose a lot of money. And, and ultimately a lot of people feel that when you have money, you just automatically know, but it all boils down to that financial education and knowing what to do with it, you know, and even putting the people around you. So that's just what's on my timeline right now. You know, rest in peace to DMX. I love that king. I respect him so much. And I hope that because it's in the forefront that people do look a little bit deeper into like his life and stuff and his legacy and see how what he's leaving for his heirs and stuff. And if we could do the same thing or maybe even do it better, just if somebody's in that same situation. But amazing guy, like I said, 50 years old, is too young. So that's right. just what's going on right now. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah, I hope he at least yeah. had that, that life insurance. Yeah. yeah, man. It's like, like you said. Yeah, at least. Yeah, hopefully, such, yeah. Such an impactful person in the culture of hip hop. Like you said, these artists, they had to work so hard back then. DMX was really one of the biggest artists on the nah, planet. like for real. At one time. Yeah. I mean, everybody's seen that crazy clip of him in front of like, that, that uh, crowd, it looks like a million people. It looks like a million people, yeah. Stock, man. Yeah, like that looked crazy, yeah. bro, to say that this man went from those heights to like when he passed, the way the situation played out, it definitely is unfortunate, but it's definitely- Eye opening. Yeah, it's like mm -hmm. one of those things that we definitely can always take and glean upon especially with this whole music industry shit. Like, that's a whole different yeah. conversation with how <laughs> they do people there. I mean, we had that conversation with Doran. If y'all new here, y'all need to go listen to that episode because that's ridiculous, but... Yeah, yeah. and there's definitely... So, they, and there's a lot of screwing around, but just to think about how big he was, and again, it wasn't on YouTube. I mean, it probably was, mm -hmm. but it definitely wasn't popping. So he had to physically, like, you know, you have to work so much harder to touch they, they your audience. Get to he the couldn't consumer. just post on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's just an amazing how hard he works. So definitely hope it's not in vain and respect him major RIP is sad for our community. But as always, we're gonna keep it moving, keep going, keep empowering. And if all we can do is learn from the situation and empower the community, then that's what we have to do. But yeah, he definitely back. I can tell you some DMX songs. Like wow, <laughs> that was when I was young. I don't listen to a lot of music now, but DMX, that was my boy back then. The Rough Riders, like you could tell me that to have you barking and stuff. <laughs> and then Belly, like, come on now, Belly, yeah, like, belly oh my gosh. Belly, Classic. man, that is just, yeah, that just solidified the MX right there. So, yeah, but it's unfortunate, but you know, we're going to make it and just stay prayerful. And yeah, he'll always be here, you know, in legacy form. Amen. <laughs> Ashley, I have to say thank you on behalf of the BWR podcast for coming on and blessing our audience and ourselves with these gems. Like I said, you talk about that business credit. We got to talk about that because <laughs> no doubt, a workshop is going to be pressured. All these things that you have going on, these amazing things, your amazing story. How can people and where can people learn more about you? How can they work with you? All that stuff once again for them. Thank you. And I do want to say thank you guys, Jalen and David. I appreciate you all and, and Jared. 
and the uh, Black Wolf Renaissance community for inviting me on and for showing me hospitality makes me feel so comfortable because I was shaking up. So this is like really empowering. So I love you guys and what you're bringing to the community. Thank you. You guys can follow me the best way because I know I'm a little young, but I'm not so technology savvy. So the best way to find me is on Instagram, please. Because I got people finding me on LinkedIn. I'm like, I haven't been on there in 10 years. So Instagram, (laughs) please, guys. Detroit underscore investors. I do live workshops. I have master classes and I do offer one-on-one 30 minute calls that you can book all of that directly from my Instagram. Again, that's Detroit underscore investor. And that's how you can work with me and find me. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love Y'all it. Get love at it. the queen, yeah. Ashley. Man, I love it. Thanks again, Ashley. This has been an amazing, amazing episode. episode. Pressure. <laughs> I appreciate it too, guys. Thanks. No problem. So before we get up out of here, y'all, we're going to hop into a couple little house cleaning items. As usual, as always, y'all, thank you for listening to another episode of the Black Wolf Renaissance podcast. Please leave those ratings and reviews. We love to hear feedback from you all. Like our girl, softball girl, we definitely out here trying to just impact anybody Mm -hmm. on a better level. If this story touched you or any other of the stories that we get to share, touch you, definitely share these with your family, your friends, and continue to join in this growth in the renaissance. The event could have been happening by the time this dropped. What else I got, man? Y'all cop our book, Managing Money Like the 1%. We talked a lot about financial literacy and understanding money during this episode. If you're a person who really wants to get started with that and really um, you're tired of living paycheck to paycheck cause and you don't really understand, like, you don't have a really good relationship with money, that book is perfect for you. It's going to get you on the right track and get you started on the path to investing and ownership. So managing money like the 1%, y'all get that. That's going to be in the show notes. Well, yeah, like you were saying, the book Managing Money Like the 1%, um, y'all definitely get that just to help y'all with y'all relationship with money. And until next time, it's your boy Jalen. Hey, boy Jay. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.